When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Before I get started, just want to let you know you can find this show on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Empire Media YouTube page. That's A M P I R E. Today, I'm joined by the Washington Post, Sam Fortier, as we discussed first impressions of Carson Wentz after his Thursday press conference and the early moves in free agency for Washington. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam4TR, that's Sam and the number 4TR, and you can read his work on WashingtonPost.com. You can read my work on ESPN.com, of course. I have a story up now about Wentz's first presser and what he thought of the trade and his reputation. He answered some tough questions. I'll have a story up this weekend, taking an inside look at how and why they settled on Carson Wentz. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Before I play my conversation with Sam, a couple things. Yes, I was surprised by the Matt Ioannidis move to a degree, but I, think, but I do think they wanted to break up that room at least a little bit. That group has kind of fought the techniques taught by defensive line coach Sam Mills. Whoever's right or wrong in this, all I know is that they've really kind of bucked that one. Um, They felt that they were successful playing the way they were taught by others, notably former line coach Jim Tomsula. Ioannidis was definitely one of those who balked at. So I think they wanted to get some fresh faces in that room to pair with the starting group. That the, The entire room could be a bit clickish as well. So I think they wanted to change some of those dynamics. Ioannidis can still play. I think he can still be very good. I've always liked him as a player, and I've liked, I like dealing with him. While some of this might be related to the Carson Wentz deal and adding $28 million in cap space, I'm not convinced it would have mattered one way or another. That's why I would have pushed harder to keep Tim Settle, and it's why they stayed in touch with Settle. Once I heard they had stayed in contact with Settle, I thought Ioannidis could be in some trouble. J.P. Finley and I talked about this before free agency on the podcast. And I'm sure you saw that Ioannidis' agents were pretty pissed off about how all that was handled. Sam and I discussed that in a minute, and I did say it there, and I'll say it again here. This team was surprised at the reaction because that's not the version that they remember in their minds. And so who's right or wrong, I will say, I've never had an agent say that on you know, in this kind of situation. There are times where they might be pissed about when a guy's released, et cetera, but they don't make the lying to their face accusation, and that was pretty strong. So both sides seem to be pretty firm in what they believe. This side, I will just say, for Washington, they were caught off guard by the reaction to the whole situation. With Eric Flowers, there was a desire to to extend him. There was I don't think there was really any formal offer. I think it was a what would he want? And I'll just say there's a distinct difference in how the sides viewed the value going forward. That's why Andrew Norwell is now in town. Flowers did a nice job for them in his two different stints with Washington, and whether or not he overvalued himself remains to be seen. 
We'll see what happens in free agency with him. And one more note on Wentz. It does sound like the more he's here and the more he's in the area, the more he is excited about the situation. The Ashburn area is close to rural Virginia, and that seems to suit a kid from North Dakota just fine. Also, one thing he's been told, the last time Washington has had a true franchise quarterback is probably Joe Theismann, right? That was in the 1980s, as you know. It won't take much for Wentz to surpass the quarterback play of recent years. In Indy, the three previous quarterbacks he had to succeed, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers. And there's pretty strong. Here, the previous three starting quarterbacks, for the most part, Taylor Heineke, Alex Smith, and Dwayne Haskins, with a little Kyle Allen thrown in there. The bar is a lot lower here, and I think that helps him. So it's all good now. The key will be how he plays, and we're many months away from knowing that answer. So however it feels now, whatever you're going to hear, that will always be the key, and that will determine um, just how everybody accepts him and how the fans accept him. I don't know what other moves Washington will make in free agency. Clearly, they're going to look for some defensive linemen, and I, and I, I know they feel like some guys are going to come available that can help him in a backup role. I do know they have sniffed around on some inside linebackers. Bobby Wagner is not in their price range, for those wondering. But a big thing to note here is that the, this draft has some good inside linebackers. I would not be distraught if I were you if they don't sign a veteran. It's tempting for them to pair three young linebackers and have them be together for a while. And I do believe they'd like to find someone who can fill that Buffalo nickel role. That was their predominant look last season by a decent amount. More than 50% of the time, that's what they played. Without Landon Collins, who will play it? It's not a simple role, and you have to be smart because you're asked to play. You have to have safety responsibilities and also linebacker responsibilities. Um, that's and, and you have to be physical. So it's not just... You know, you are going to have to take on the occasional blocker. You're going to have to fill a run gap up at the line. It, it's got to be somebody who can play physical. What helps them? Colleges have been using this look a lot, and that means there are guys in this draft who could fill that role if they don't sign someone. But if they drafted another young linebacker with speed, then it also could lessen how often they use that look because then you'd have the ability to play a couple linebackers in that role, and you can um, – if you wanted to, or you could a couple linebackers or all three linebackers out there um, in your base set. But again, to what extent it would lessen it, I don't know. Because I asked the same question of people out there last year. Well, if you go out and get an outside linebacker, is that what does that do for Landon Collins? Does it change the role? And the answer was no. By the way, I know the Honey Badgers out there, Tyron Matthew, and I even tweeted something about him as a guy that, you know, would he fit that role? Well, then I remember later, oh gosh, he's 5'9", a buck 75. He plays bigger than that, but he's still small. You can't have a guy that size in that role. So, you know, that again, it's one that entails linebacker responsibilities. I do think that um, the Honey Badger would have been an option here had they not retained Bobby McCain, but they did. Okay, that's enough for me. After this break, I'll be back with Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. The first impression of Carson Wentz after his Thursday press conference. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. 
Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. All right, Sam. Well, we had a chance to talk or hear from Carson Wentz today, and we talked to Ron Rivera about about Carson Wentz. So it's a very Carson Wentz day. What was your first impression just from the press conference besides sitting in new seats in the auditorium? And I think it was your first time in the auditorium, too, right? Yeah, it was. I had never seen the the fake security guard in the front of uh, not not to blow up the the football team spot and and you know let people know that it, that dude is totally fake. But there's like a wax figure. It's insane. It is. It's fantastic. And one of my favorite times. I mean, like I would I should have snapped a picture of it. And one day I should snap a picture and put it online because people you can't realize how realistic it looks. To the point where what I've been told is like people will come to deliver packages on the weekend. They'll see that guy in there and they'll knock on the door thinking that like, why doesn't this guy come answer the door? But it's not real. That's why. But they knock on the door. Well, there is Nora Prinsati, who now works for The Ringer and she used to work for The Washington Times. So we're going into a press conference and this works better as a visual than as a over the podcast. But we're going to good YouTube plug. Well, there, there you go. YouTube subscribe. There you go. Um, <laughs> but we're going in, not a press conference, going into a meeting with Bruce Allen or an interview with Bruce Allen. So the security, that fake security guard is outside this door, but his, like his arms are folded. He looks like he's just standing there watching. So I told Nora, I said, oh, have you met the security guard? She's literally like six feet away from him. This is how real it is. So she like, she reaches, she starts walking to him and puts her arm out and says, hi, I'm Nora. And like, the guy doesn't move. And like, it was fantastic. So, and in fact, the, one of the guys, um, uh, when I was leaving the press conference today, remembered that we were talking about that. So anyways, that's way off topic here, but anyway, it was your first time seeing him. Yeah, I, uh, I I didn't believe it. I thought you guys were kind of clowning me. So I went over and, and knocked on his like right bicep and I was like, oh, okay, this, this is fake. Just had to double check. Anyways, Carson Wentz is not fake. So what was your impression of him? Well, I mean, we don't know. Uh, I, the, I guess the overriding impression, impression was how like uh, straight up he was about like the circumstances 
through which he finds himself here. Like he's on his third team in three years. There have been, you know, many reports about, you know, even though he's super talented and there's a reason he went number two in the NFL draft uh, in 2016, but like, you know, his reaction to hard, uh, hard coaching, his lack of leadership, you know, there's been a lot of stories, obviously the collapse last year with Indianapolis, like he was, uh, I think pretty affable about those things. Uh, Matt Paris of the Washington times. That's the second time we've shouted out that publication already uh, asked him, like, what do you make of the criticism, the narrative around you? And Carson said, which criticisms? There's a lot of them. Yeah. And, and he was so smiling I, when he said it too. He wasn't being a, he wasn't being mean or nasty. He was rolling with it. Right. And I, and like to show up and, and kind of like be that way on, on day one. Um, I know it's day one. And, you know, if he throws a couple picks or, or has a, a meltdown, like he did against Jacksonville last year in, you know, October, November, when they need a game totally different. But if you're talking first impressions, I, I would say that I was pretty impressed by his the way he carried himself, considering uh, you know what we'd heard about him before he got here. Right, and I'd always heard too. To be clear, I've always heard he's a good guy. You know that there's not like you know that that part wasn't in question, but there were questions. And so the thing that stood out to me too, because he did address everything head on, and there were a lot of hey, that's a great question. Anything that pertained to whether it was the leadership or the play, hey, that's a great question. And I think. Um, I, it didn't come across as some fake comment. It came across like, you know, he was ready for it and he's okay addressing it. He wasn't going to hide from it. And I think that's smart. I mean, I, I think, I think that's a very smart thing to do. And one of the other things I was super interested by is the, you know, he discussed his relationship with Scott Turner because, um, right. you know, obviously Frank Reich, the Indianapolis coach, who was the offensive coordinator in Philly when he had that MVP caliber year in 17, um, Frank Reich told The Athletic last year that Carson likes a lot of control at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And he said, he and I used to go back and forth and we would get to a point where it was uncomfortable. And I had to say, hey, I'm the coach sometimes and, and let him know that we had to do it this way. Uh, sometimes I would let him go and you, it, it's a feel. So for me, his relationship with Scott Turner, especially finding out that Scott Turner got that three-year contract extension last week, it, it's going to be really key moving forward because we know that they want to throw downfield. And, and Carson said that, you know, he got to talk to um, Scott, you know, Thursday morning and, and you know, kind of just get a first blush impression of how they want to use him in this offense. And, you know, getting vertical is something they've not been able to do as consistently or as effectively as I think they've wanted to. So the relationship between them and how effective they can be down the field, those are two huge questions for me um, that, that, you know, we got a little bit of a glimpse at today. Well, and I think that's what, you know, he talked about Terry McLaurin and just how after, I think it was his Terry's rookie year, where he had a big game against Phil and he came, he went up to him after. It's like, I hope I get to throw to you. I'd like to get to throw to you someday. And clearly he is. Then he also heard from Chase Young and, you know, and, and I think Chase Young reached out to him. And I think that was, I think those things, I think the McLaurin part is on the field, but the Chase Young thing is a guy who is a leader here, welcoming him to the team. And I think all that stuff helps get a guy, I think, excited about his new team because it would be hard to be in his position where you're going from now, this is the second time in a year you've been traded. The number one thing you want is to be wanted somewhere. Right. And so I got the feeling that he seemed like he knew he was wanted here. Right. And, and sort of off topic, but, you know, kind of talking about that leadership and Chase Young reaching out to him. 
I'm going to be very fascinated to see this might be like, you know, a little more intangible or squishy or whatever, but like going into next year, I think there's like some real leadership questions, not because of Carson Wentz's past only, but, you know, Chase Young, who, who was obviously that going to be that guy and then got hurt. So he's got to come back and right. uh, DeShazer Everett, a special teams captain, you know, obviously now he's cut. So uh, John Allen, Terry McLaurin, those guys will be there, but I do think, the leadership of this team, the, um, you know, kind of that intangible locker room that, that Ron puts a lot of importance in. I'm going to be very fascinated to see how that kind of coalesces as we get not only into OTAs and minicamp, but, but into the summer and fall. Well, I think an, an underrated one was Brandon Sheriff. And not that he was, he's not a big rah-rah guy, but when you lose like guys who are just pros and really leadership takes many forms. And I always, it's funny because when I talk to people here about like when DJ Swearinger was here, and I know that was before your time, but if fans heard or people heard that he was like getting on guys at practice or saying this or saying that they viewed that as leadership. The reality was a lot of guys rolled their eyes at it. And some guys took to it, but a lot of guys rolled their eyes at it because what leader and where, where I felt like DJ was a better leader. If you're going to do that is what the work you put in. And like, that's Brandon Sheriff is the work he puts in, you know, guys like that. I always felt like, um, you know, I think Leno is like that. Leno's a strong leader. I think Leno's a strong leader, um, you know, but the guys who are just the quiet, you know, quiet, go about your business, get it done and make sure others are just doing their thing by bringing them along. Right. And so, you know, that, but so Brandon Sheriff is another one that I think you have to replace, but I do think that that line is in a good spot with, with the right mindset of players. And I, and I think Nor Andrew Norwell signed, just signed, will fit in with that group. But you're right, that's a key part of this whole equation is the leadership. Right, and especially because I know we talk about how much goes off, you know, goes on off the field with this team. You know, I, I think it's a little bit harder than they might let on to not let some of that seep into the locker room. And, and even just, you know, things like technique, I, I think of, you know, a guy who was on and off the field last year and right tackle Sam Cosme, he was a really, um, you know, big vocal proponent uh, of Brandon Sheriff. And so, you know, are you going to see those guys? They have a very veteran center to the left side of the line now, but, you know, kind of how does the right side of that line shake out with, with Cosme and, and maybe it's Schweitzer, maybe it's Sadiq Charles, who, you know, maybe they signed somebody else who knows. Um, but, but just, you know, kind of the composition of this team, there's going to be a lot of familiar faces back, including obviously J.D. McKissick, one that you maybe didn't anticipate. Um, but, you know, how does this coalesce? And I think because I don't think they ever really found that identity that Ron wanted them to find last year. I think there was a stretch where they did. The four-game stretch is when I felt like they started to find it. But for the most part, especially offensively, I think they've struggled to find that. But I think it's a good point that you made with Cosme because he did bring up, and I forgot about that, so I'm glad you brought it up, just about the impact that Brandon Sheriff made on him as a veteran and a very uh, highly successful veteran. And this, the advice that he would give him, Morgan Moses did that when he was here. And I think, again, I go back to Leno because I think he's that guy too. Um, and, but yes, I think those kind of guys are invaluable um, to have around. So we'll see what they're going back to Wentz too. Um, and just again, the McLaurin part of it, how, how do you think that, you know, it can impact McLaurin's game and just, you know, how does it change what, what, how they, how the success he might have and maybe in different ways too. I would totally defer to uh, one of your colleagues who's a lot smarter than me when it comes to football, Matt Bowen. Uh, I asked him basically that question and, and he was telling me, like, look, I mean, this Scott Turner offense wants to have those skinny posts. They want to have right. those deep in routes to Terry McLaurin and getting him the ball, not just down the field, but on time and in the right place. Cause 
I mean, you know, that really big highlight catch where Terry had that crazy twisting catch down the left sideline last year, it was a really impressive play, but you know, the amount of error that Taylor put under that, I mean, he would tell you, Taylor Heineke put under that, he would tell you, like, he didn't love that throw. And so I think you want to start making those throws where uh, it, it's not, it doesn't look like a miracle. Uh, and I think that it, I think that Carson Wentz, with his arm strength, with the savvy, with with what he's shown in the league, is going to be more adept at those throws. And I think just putting Terry in the right position, even, you know, remember that jump ball where Terry hit his head and then had the concussion? Yeah. I mean, those are the sort of variance plays that you want to take out. You want to, I mean, obviously you want to let Terry go, <laughs> go get 50, 50 balls. Cause he's so good at it, but you, you want to stop putting, you know, hanging the ball and, and, you know, inviting those crazy circumstances or bounces. And I think that if nothing else, you're going to get that out of Carson Wentz. And, and as he stretches the field, um, obviously I think that'll open up things underneath if, if they do it right. And then that just, you know, helps Terry in his game even more. And a little plug, because I'm going to have Matt Bowen on the podcast next month. So there you go. Because he's he's great to talk to. But along those lines, that second, third level is important in Scott Turner's offense. Bigger receivers are important in that offense. And that ha then having a big-arm quarterback, everybody wants that. Cam Simpson plays into that, and they re-sign him. And it's a low-key signing, right? But I also think, like, that guy, what he does – if, if they if they have to use them, it fits well, I think, with Carson Wentz and just the areas where I think he can make an impact. Not that he's going to be a big impact receiver now, but he's a good depth signing for because he can give you something if he has to go in. I've always hold up, hold up, hold up, Kyle. I mean, I, I I'm going to throw a little bit of water on that idea because I, I don't even know if that's like the right phrase to use, but. I, I want to introduce some skepticism because I feel like all training camp and all like the first five oh, no, weeks no, no. last Here, year. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's going to be a big part. <laughs> I'm still saying he's like their fifth receiver type. Well, no, no, but I'm, I'm saying sometimes I wonder why he's not bigger because, you know, Ron oh, and yeah, Scott yeah, Turner yeah. and and they say, and even if we go back to Alex Smith, you know, when you ask Alex Smith about his receivers, he would always point out Cam Sims and even Patrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He went crazy on him last year because he went tight. He asked Alex Smith, like, what's the deal with this guy? So I agree he, with that. My, and and in, the, in the Tampa Bay playoff game, he had like 11 targets from Heineke because he's always where he's supposed to be is, is what the quarterbacks say. So, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a low-key signing. I, I do think like he can make plays when available. That Pittsburgh game in 2020 where he had that crazy one-handed catch. I mean, not to, not to second guess that. these guys, but I just wonder sometimes why he doesn't get more of a shot. I didn't realize you were such a hater, but yes. Um, <laughs> no, I've wondered, I've wondered the same thing because like a few years ago, I understood he was new. He's learned, you know, he was an undrafted guy. He didn't have a lot of experience playing. He wasn't a big, big time um, playmaker at Alabama. I get all that. And, you know, last summer it's like, he's working, he's working with the ones working the ones all of a sudden Deami Brown's in there and he's no longer around. But with the reason why I like him is because he fits, he's, He's got a chameleon aspect to his game. He'll fit what you need. You need him to be a gunner on special teams, going to go do it. He's not going to complain. You need me to go in there and block? I'll go block. You need me to go in there and catch a few passes over the middle? I'll go do that. All I, My only point with him, and I agree, like, I always wonder why not a little bit more, but when he does go in, he does fit well. He can. He gets to those areas where Carson can hit. I still think, I, you know, if I'm them, I would still look for another receiver who can also do that at a higher, more consistent level to their liking. 
right? So if you get a guy in the, in the number 11 in the draft I, and he's really good and you like him, take him because I think you need the guys there. But if you get down to your fifth receiver, I like Cam Sims in that. So, you know, absolutely. And, and so if we could twist this yeah, around, I don't think he's going to play a lot more. I just think he's, I'm glad that he's back for them. Right. I feel like, I feel like he's a very solid foundational piece, a good bedrock. Yeah, and yeah. if we can turn this around and make it the SF report, what do you think kind that they, that they need in that receiver? And when you want to go get one more receiver, like what is it, is it bringing back DeAndre Carter? Is it finding a guy with a different skill set? Like what, what are they missing in that I receiver? Would want, I would want a bigger receiver who's going to be a more prominent target. So, because again, in this offense, I think you need that for the exact reasons I said, those that second, third level over the middle, some of those digs and all that, that's a prominent part of this offense. So I would want to get somebody who can do those things with a little bit more size um, if I can. So that's, that's what I would look for. I'm not saying that he's going to be the guy, you know, obviously he was in the practice squad last year, but that is, I think who they wanted Antonio Gandy golden to be when they picked him in the fourth oh, round definitely. in 2020. There's no and, doubt. And, There's no doubt. Right. And, so, I mean, whether that's an outside guy or whether you think he, he might, you know, show something, definitely, I, I totally agree with you on, on that's what they need. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, and, and Gandy Golden, I think you're definitely right about that. And he should, you know, but we'll see. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code KIME this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and over restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's go back to Carson because we also talked to Ron Rivera for a few minutes about him. So I'm going to keep going back there and I'm going to bounce to other topics in a few minutes. So be patient with me. So, but going back to that and with what Ron said, did anything strike you with what he said? I mean, of course he's going to be their QB one, but did anything jump out to you with what Ron said about him? Well, I think that Ron tried to have it both ways and, and I get why he had to do that um, to keep their flexibility open. But, you know, he's saying Carson could be the long-term answer. Um, but at the same time, when I asked, does this preclude you from drafting a quarterback? He said, it doesn't preclude us from doing anything. So, yeah. you know, saying this is our guy and he could be the long-term solution. He could be the long-term vision. And also saying, yeah, we, we could still draft a guy. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard for me to take at face value everything you say after that, just because, you know, I know that some of that might be playing politics, but um to me, it, it's sort of like if you committed, I think that, that you could have come out and said, we're not drafting a guy. Um, I get so that. Like, his, I guess it'd be like if you get married, say, till death do you part or until a supermodel comes along in three years. <laughs> like that. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put that prospect up in front of you. I hope, I hope that you're in your office and your door is closed. My wife's out of town. Oh, okay. You know, maybe, maybe that was a little bit strong by me, but I just, I, I think that you know, it's convenient to say QB1 and that he's the long-term vision. And I think, let, let me be clear, I think that 
Carson Wentz was, was better in Indianapolis than people give him credit for. I think that that slide at the end of the year, uh, particularly in Jacksonville, you know, kind of leave a, left a bad taste in people's mouth. But like, if you go back and watch that Arizona game, uh, which they needed yeah. just as badly, he was making some huge throws yeah, in that yeah. game. And so, you know, he's a high variance quarterback. He's going to be, you know, his highs are going to be higher. His lows are going to be lower than, than some other quarterbacks. But I think that when he's at his best, you know, he, he can really ball out. So, um, how consistent can he be this year? Um, you know, not only in mechanics, not only in game to game, but, um, you know, stretch to stretch. Like, can he, can he be that guy? Um, I'm not even saying that he has to be what he was in 2017 when he's playing an MVP level. Can he be a fringe top 12, top 15 guy uh, that he was in 18 and 19? And so if he does that, I think Ron Rivera looks, you know, really smart because as he, the one point that I think, or one of the points that I thought that he made that was, was really well that, that, that he had made before is nobody remembers what Matthew Stafford was traded for now. Right. Right. The, the Rams won the Super Bowl and it was fine. So if Carson Wentz can be the guy for the long term, then I think we start talking about, you know, two thirds, maybe a third and a second, you know, the conditional um, being, being a totally fair price to pay. That and the money for the next three years is a totally fair price to pay. That's a bargain if he plays well and, you know, and if he doesn't, then you're going to be back out there. But I think he'll play well enough for a couple of years to be around. I mean, I, I would be shocked if they did something after one year. It would have to go horribly south. And I don't think – I think the Indianapolis thing was a unique situation. So I think that was a lot of owner-driven. And we all know the owner here doesn't interfere with quarterbacks. So <laughs> – Yeah, so totally fine. I can't even say it with a straight face. But but in all, serious, in all seriousness, I do think this will be something that they at least have for a couple of years. And you're right. If, if it works – then it's a really good um, move by them. And so um, let's talk about a couple other moves because obviously a few things have happened and they did sign Andrew Norwell, but they lost the, the cut flowers, cut Ionitis, cut Landon Collins, um, and then get JD back. What? Let's go to the cuts. Surprised? Yeah, I, I think Landon Collins is, is the least surprising just because we've been talking about that right, since yeah. last year. But uh, Matt Ionitis, I think, was extremely surprising and I would I would point to the evidence of you know one of his agents Alan Herman calling around and saying you know really this move blindsided us you know we met with Rob Rogers the cap guy uh, at the combine and he said nope Matt's good and then all of a sudden you know no calls after the Carson Wentz thing even though the circumstances change and then boom like you know he, he's Matt Ionitis has lost to two days of free agency because you cut him and didn't give us any warning. So we weren't able to have those conversations behind the scenes. So uh, I, I would say, you know, that, that was probably the most surprising to me. And, and one thing to be clear, these guys have a slightly different version of all that. So of to course to them. Um, but so, yeah. And they, you know, what do you think they lose without him? And if, the other thing is I, they are going to be in the market for a, obviously they have to get another defensive tackle in here because they lost settle. They lost. I know. And to me, the disappointing part of that is you lost settle knowing that you're going to cut Ioannidis. Could you have done, could you have done something differently there with him to keep him? Could you have convinced him to perhaps flip his commitment from Buffalo to Washington? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how often does that happen though? Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would never happen. Who would ever do that? Um, Right. But seriously, if you knew you're going to cut him, then I would have liked to have seen more of an effort to keep Tim settle um, around, but I also think it signals that they they felt they do feel like other guys are going to get cut at that position that they can go get for depth. And to me, I'm adding picks. I'm adding so many picks in the rounds two through four the last couple of days because that's all I keep saying. Add picks. 
but I would, I'd add a couple picks in those areas because I think it's a deep draft and you can get, there's good D line play in that area and an interior lineman and then a linebacker. So then I'm calling it a day. Then I'm happy if, if I'm there. Wait, wait. You know? When you say, when you say add picks, you mean trade for picks in rounds two trade, through four? I would find a way to add more picks in those rounds. Yes. What, and now it's easier said than done. They only have what? Is it five picks? I think in the draft. Is that what it is now? I, now I believe after the Carson yes. trade, yeah, because they yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't have their fifth rounder because they traded up for Cheeseman. Yes. So I would do what I could to add some picks in that round, whether it's moving back at eleven, but you need someone to move up, whether it's using some capital from next year because you know you're going to get some of these comp picks, um, and maybe get you know maybe do something with that somehow, some way, add more picks in those rounds because I think that's where the depth is. And if you're going to have, like, you're going to have a lot of big contracts coming up with Carson's is a, you know, it's, it's not a, a monster, but it is a big quarterback contract. You're going to have to pay tear. You've got, you know, sweat, young, you know, pain staring you in the face. I, if I'm them, I'm going to work to get extra young talent in here as well to keep building. However, the, it, however they do that, I guess like I'm not seeing a, a path to, to get those picks super clearly. But if if they can, I, I think oh, that's a really good hard. point. Yes, yes. It's because, hard, yeah. But I, I do think rounds two through four are going to be better this year, especially because, I mean, the draft experts are talking about how this draft is, is super, you know, there's not a ton of high-end top talent, but there, it's super deep in part because of all those kids that went back for the COVID year. So, and, and we're starting to see, you know, that'll be this class. So even, you know, I was at, um, Exos, the training facility before the combine to do a story. And even they were talking about, I mean, just the, the, the depth and breadth of this class is, is supposed to be pretty good. Right. It's very good. And I think some of that stems from last year, a lot of guys did not come out. They opted to go back for an extra year of eligibility. So you, you knew that this year would be much, much deeper. That's why like, you're right though. I think it's, it's easier said than done too. Cause everybody's like, Oh, just trade back. Somebody's got to trade up. It's got to be worthwhile. And who's the player that they're going to trade up for at that spot? You know, can you do that? But if you can, I would. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, but whatever you have to do, get, get somebody else, get some more picks in there. Because again, I think those contracts will become prohibitive and you need to have the young depth replacements on the roster or at least other guys that can build who have good talent. So that's what I do. What do you think they um, gain? <laughs> gain I was to say what what do they lose with McKissick but then it's like what do they lose what did they gain with him back how important was his return if he's 100% back from the neck injury which right. I think the the signing would suggest that that he is right. I, I think it's the highlight of what he does without getting the highlights and by that I mean the ability his ability to turn a check down that that he catches at two or three yards into four, five, six, and the way he keeps the offense on schedule. I mean, running backs coach Randy Jordan, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that for a long time, but I, I think he's really good at that. And if you can stretch the field, if you can start saying, okay, defenses, you got to go too high and you got to start, you know, giving rolling coverage to Terry, that all of a sudden I think opens up JD for an even more productive, efficient role. And so what I think you get with him is, uh, you know, just maybe if the offense works out a heightened version of what he has been. And obviously he's been, um, you know, super reliable and, and valuable for them. The, the question that I have is, is you drafted Antonio Gibson to be the receiving, you know, to be the receiving rushing threat, you know, talking about Christian McCaffrey all the time. If you have JD back, 
How are you going to get AG those touches? How are you going to find those spots for him? Maybe there's enough touches to go around, but I would be curious at how they're going to have that division of labor, uh, especially now that you've committed that money to JD. And I don't think they're going to want to do them. I think they're going to want to keep Antonio in the, in the similar role because you have to use JD, right? You're going to have to, because he is good because I think his, first of all, is a pass protector. So if you're going to want to throw the ball down the field, you're going to want a guy who can help protect, right? So that's one thing he does. And then I also like his versatility as a route runner, even though and Antonio played um, receiver in college, but I think JD is a little bit more refined in that area. And so I think that's another reason why I think that he stays in that role. And then the addition of Curtis Samuel is going to add to that whole mix because he can do similar things just kind of in reverse, right? So I don't like... I think with Antonio, what I would want is taking some of the burden off him and getting another guy in there to keep him fresh for all. Although I say that and he looked really good at the end of the year. So, but you know what I mean? Like that's so to not, I don't think they want to give him, I think they'll probably give him like to give him a little bit more, but I just don't think that they are, they were going to give him like, you know, 25 touches a game in all those roles, because it just, to me, it would wear him down. And you look at McCaffrey dealing with the injuries, but I think Sam, it goes, I think the one thing is they kept talking about McCaffrey with him. So now everybody keeps waiting for that. And the reality is I'm not sure that that's really what he's going to evolve into because I, he is showing so many good signs as a running back that I would use him in that role because you have other guys who can do other things for you. If he never reaches the position flex or is utilized in the position flex that Ron talked about on draft night in 2020, how, if at all, does that change how you view that draft pick? It doesn't because he's a good back. I think he's a good back. And, you know, if, if he, he was, it's not like he was a first or second round pick. So I think he's been a good back who's an ascending back who can do those things for you. I just don't see him doing it to the level that we're, we're you know, to the, volume that they were having McCaffrey do and moving him around as much. But what I do like about him, and you saw this in training camp last year, and it's, it's why I like watching practices during the summer, because you can see them working on certain routes. And I'm like, well, that's not a route that, and I see this more with McKissick, but sometimes with, um, with um, Antonio, you would see him running around like, that's, a, that's not a way, that's not the way a running back runs that route. That's why he's an advantage there. And so he can give you an advantage in that role, but I don't expect, I don't look for this huge bump of playtime overall, because I, I just, I, I would worry about, I, my goal with him is keep him fresh, right? You know, Cleveland does that with Nick Chubb and, you know, keep him fresh. You get other guys in here who can help you with that. So that way he's even more effective. I loved what he showed in New York at the end of the year. I mean, he was so good running the ball. And I know it was the last game, the Giants didn't care. I don't care. It's what he showed. Um, so like that's, that would be my thing, but I'll be honest, Sam, I've done this for a long time. They have yet to ask my input on how to use the guy. <laughs> so this is probably going to be the, you can, you know, this, I'm sure this will be another year like that, but, um, you know, but that's how I would see him. And I think that's probably still how they see him, which is why you bring JD back knowing too, that you have Curtis Samuel who can do a lot of things as well. Right. And, and maybe the Curtis Samuel, if he's healthy, enters this discussion. But it, it seems like the home run capability that they that they had talked about in that they were right. going to yes. use that position yes. flex. Yes. The home run capability then shows up as it did in Buffalo last year, week three on the screen that he can take to the house. It's right. that's how you, correct. Yes. OK. Yeah. 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 And I mean to cut you off there. So but th that's exactly no, how you do it all the time. It's fine. Well, because, yes, I mean, this is just like <laughs> the press room. So, you know, but. 
I, I can't help it. You know, sometimes you just have to like, Sam, you're a kid, just shut up. Get off my yeah. No, that, that's, that's what the listeners want. Yeah, well, it is, you know, I give it to them. Right. Um, but see, but you are right. You are right. Like that, that screen pass is a great example of what you can do because you forget he's a big guy with like four, 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 three, four, four speed. That's rare, you know? So, but yeah, I, that, so I, but I like could, I think he can be used more as, you know, and, and when he's in there on certain downs in that role, but I don't think it should lessen what JD does because JD is such to me is such a weapon. I felt like that offense changed a lot when he wasn't around. Right. And, and I mean, not to, I'm sure people roll their eyes when we talk about him, but what Curtis Samuel can do over the middle or, or as a gadget player, I, like, I know we keep talking about if, and it's March and I'm sure people are like, you know, pump yeah, the brakes, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I'm just saying like, you know, if, if he can get over the middle, if Carson can throw the deep ball, like, I, I think that this, if if Carson Wentz lasts more than 16 plays, which I think is the number of plays that Ryan Fitzpatrick played last year, I think we're going to be able to get a true evaluation of Scott Turner because like, yes, I agree. That, that I think is, is a real key to Carson Wentz is, you know, obviously when you're playing games with quarterbacks like Taylor Heineke and Alex Smith for most of the time, and you want to be a vertical offense, I just wonder how much we're grading against the curve with him for the first two years. And and now, okay, you have your tools, you have your weapons. What are you going to do with it? I, I, I think you're right. And I think we'll, I think we'll, we'll see, and especially not just with Carson, but if Curtis Samuel is healthy and it, listen, we may change his name to if Curtis Samuel, because, because I, and I, you know, like, I know, like he was a good weapon in Carolina. I mean, he just, he just was. And, and so, but if he's healthy, if then it's like, well, okay, if Deami Brown develops and then it's, you know, and if, if the neck doesn't bother JD and if Logan Thomas gets back in time, there's a lot of ifs with this offense, but if it all answers right, it could be interesting. And I think that's where Carson comes into play with that arm. So um, let's go, let, we'll go one more thing. And I guess the, the Norwell flowers exchange, do you think that there's, what did you think of that? I saw Norwell walk into the facility this morning and can confirm he is a massive dude. Uh, Eric Flowers, I think, is 6'6", 330. And Norwell is listed at 6'6", 340. So you're not losing size and, you know, mauling ability. Uh, But if you go back and and you kind of – look at the numbers, which I know for offensive linemen paints an incomplete picture as it does with every player. Um, But Norwell, you know, has been a guy throughout his career who's been a pretty good um, pass blocker, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit better as a pass blocker than a run blocker is is my understanding. I know last year uh, on, on ESPN's uh, run block metric, he he did pretty well. Um, But uh, I think you're not losing a ton because I know that they liked flowers and in plast blocking. So to me, it's just sort of a, uh, a trade uh, of, of similar guys. Um, and so I, I think that, that they would, uh, you know, be at a similar level, um, but it remains to be seen, I guess. And I think, I think Norwell's cap hit this year and I have to see it and get the details of the deal, but I think his cap hit's going to be lower, which is another key. So, right. but, for whatever that's worth. So, and I lied. The last thing is, how good was it? See me, good to see me today at that presser. Was that like a <laughs> highlight for you of the week? Let me let me tell you this. I <laughs> saw you today, and I was overjoyed when you asked if we could still do the podcast over Zoom. 
There you go. See, there you go. All right, cool. All right. Well, Sam, I appreciate it. Tell people where they can find you and plug whatever you want to do. They can find me uh, on Twitter at Sam, uh, the number four TR, S-A-M, the number four TR. You can find me in Costco and or Safeway, <laughs> which I know is we were having a very boring conversation about groceries before this. Uh, but but I'm, I'm generally in those two places once every month or so. So that's where you can find me. All right. There you go. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Scott. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Sam for joining me and thank you for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode Monday. Talk to you next time.